Isaiah. Hosea chapter 10, verse number 12. Sow for yourself righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. Somebody say amen right there. It is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Father, we quiet ourselves before you. Already we leave with our jaws gaping open at what you have already done. We are amazed at your great love and your demonstration of power in this room. We ask now, God, that you would speak to us through your word. and Let it change us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I know that God has for me a great, abundant harvest. How many feel like God's got something great for you? Do you know how to get there? Do you know that there are actually steps that you have to take? Your involvement is required in order to get to what God has for you. God has a harvest of blessings for you, a harvest of provision, a harvest of healing, a harvest of favor. God has a harvest of souls. And I believe that God has a harvest of disciples. How many want to be part of the great end-time commission and the great end-time harvest? That we would stand before God on that great getting-up morning on the great judgment day and when God starts quizzing us when God starts questioning us we can answer and say God I did all that I can do and here's the fruit and we'll cast our crowns as it were we'll bring in the sheaves so to speak a great harvest of souls leads to a great harvest of disciples and we are doing our best right here at La Palma Christian Center to fulfill that great commission where's Pastor Jojo come here buddy So part of the way that we are endeavoring to fulfill that great commission is our life groups. And I've asked Pastor Jojo if he will come and take the reins of our life group. As I announced to you last week, Pastor Becca has, has resigned and she feels God leading her on. And so Pastor Jojo is now leading our life group ministry here. And we launch out tonight in a new semester, don't we? Uh, tonight is the first meeting for all the life groups except for the one that's meeting on Friday night. Uh, somebody asked me uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a coaches meeting, and I said, but Pastor Jojo, but not everyone wants to become a disciple. So I said, wow. a Christian who's not a disciple is a contradiction. Because mm, mm. when Jesus called us to follow him, he didn't ask for converts. Well, preaching. go ahead, man. <laughs> he asked for disciples, right? So we believe in this church that one of the best venues that discipleship can take place is our life group. So if you're not a, if you're, if you're not, if you're not part of a, I'm speaking in tongues. I was about to say. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm stuttering all over the place. Um, if you're not part of a life group yet, please see me outside after the service. Go join a life group. We have two groups meeting here, and we have other groups meeting surrounding 
uh, surrounding cities or yeah area. Um, we're learning about principles. Uh, the curriculum for this semester is based on Pastor Steve's sermon, uh, the names of God. And so you, you're familiar with them already. Come and join us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So a harvest of disciples is also part of the abundant harvest that God has for us. Everybody wants the harvest, but not very many folks are willing to work for it. Jesus even said this out of Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37. The harvest truly is plentiful, but look, the laborers are few. We learned last week that there are necessary steps for an abundant harvest. Step one, plowing. Step two, planting. Step three, prayer. And now we're going to look closely at the last three steps in the harvest cycle. Number four, are you ready? Jot down these notes. Precipitation. Somebody say precipitation. <laughs> what comes next? You've plowed, you've planted, you've prayed. Well, it's time to seek the Lord. Look at our text. Till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Water is critical in the process of the harvest. We can't survive without water. We weren't created to survive without water. I'll just have a little sip right now. Folks, I'm glad you came today. I look forward to maybe getting to know you a little bit better. I'm glad you came. If all the environment is, is, is right, in other words, if you're not in a desert or marooned on an island or, 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 or a, a, abandoned out on sea, you could survive 8 to 14 days with no water, possibly. That's depending on, on your sweat and, and a lot of other factors. 8 to 14 days, but if you're out in the desert and the, the hot sun is beating down on you, you'll probably die in about three days without water. you got to have it. you got to have water. That's the humans. My plants need water. They can only survive about three days, and then they let me know they're looking for this. It's my watering can. And whether I feel like it or not, whether my day was busy or not, if I want fruit at the end of everything and at the, at the time of reaping and at the time of harvest, this is a critical, critical step. It's the precipitation, the rain, the watering. So I have to get my water can out, and I've got to fill it several times because I've got a lot of plants. And I have to just go through the routine and go through the steps of watering or they'll only last about three days and then they start wilting. They don't care if they live or die, right? The plants. But if I nurture them and if I water them, they'll live. They'll live and they'll produce for me. It's amazing what they will produce if I take the time with this step. But why is it spiritually we think we can go without the rain? 
We think we're fine. I read the word today. I read Psalm 23 again for the millionth time. Why is it some people never get out of Psalms? Do you know there's a whole lot of other books in the Bible that God will use to speak to you and to nurture you and strengthen you? Don't just stay in the Psalms and Proverbs. Psalms and Proverbs is wonderful. But dig down deep and get into God's word and let it get into you. Well, I put on some praise this morning. That's good too. But have you been watered by God? Have you been completely saturated by His Spirit, I wonder? What is the goal? You see, spiritually, if we are not watered by God, we become dry, we become thirsty, and our hearts become hardened. The goal, bring up our text again, it says it's time to seek the Lord until He comes and reigns righteousness. The, the goal is righteousness. How do you accomplish righteousness? You may say, well, there's a really good charity that I believe in. It's changing lives. And so I systematically send money. It's an orphanage in Africa, let's say. And I send money every month. And in fact, once a year, I save up my money and I go to Africa. That's good. It's, it's right. But there's plenty of people giving to charity. And there's no righteousness being produced. Maybe you say, well, I, don't, I can't go to Africa. Let's just take you to Santa Monica. Santa Monica has homeless like you can't believe. They gathered there in Santa Monica. Anybody ever seen the homeless in Santa Monica? And some people are just drawn to feed the hungry. It's a good thing. It's a right thing. The Bob Bags, by the way, I think that is one of the greatest ministries. We fill it up with just some essentials, and we have it in our trunks. We have it in the back of our cars. And when we see somebody saying, I'm hungry, I need work, I'm out of work, would you help me? We can give them a Bob Bag. I think it's awesome. But is that really, is that really righteousness being produced? Or is that just something good that we do? Well... I want, to, I want you to see how righteousness is produced. Titus 3 says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly. Come on and say abundantly. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The way that righteousness is produced is God wants to rain down His presence, rain down His Spirit, pouring out on us His Holy Spirit, raining on our hearts and on our lives the Holy Spirit, completely saturating us, washing away the worldliness. You know, you're in the world. You think the residue of the world is not rubbing off on you and affecting you? I promise you it is. So you've got to get in an atmosphere like we are today where the Holy Spirit rains down on us and washes away all of the residue of the world. Washes away all the selfishness that we battle. Washes away the lies of the enemy. You can't produce righteousness that is worth anything. The righteousness that you try to conjure, you know what the Bible calls it? 
It's like filthy rags. Our righteousness, what we think is right, what we think is good, what we do that we try to produce righteousness, works of righteousness that, that we have produced, it's like, a, it's like a dirty rag that's just tossed and discarded. And God knew that. That's why he said, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will help produce in you those works of righteousness. That's the goal. Reigning righteousness on us. So God, send the rain. Come on, somebody. Say, God, send the rain. God, send the rain and pour out your spirit on us abundantly. Washing us, cleansing us, renewing us, regenerating us, covering us, saturating every part of our heart and our life. You know what happens when the rain comes? Things start to grow. That's what happened. You plowed, turned over the soil, you planted the seed, you prayed, the rain came. And all at once, things start to grow. But not everything that grows is good. Write that down. Not everything that grows is good. Step number five. Pruning. Huh. Somebody's ready to go to lunch. I said pruning and they don't want to talk about that. Pruning. This is a tough one. There are three things that I, I want to bring to your attention that I believe have to have constant attention in God's garden. First of all, it's the weeds. Debbie, there's 205 varieties of weeds in the United States of America, I found out. Two-thirds of them have taken root in my garden. <laughs> I didn't invite them to come. I sure didn't plant them. But there they come. And just as soon as I pull the weeds, there'll be more weeds. So you have to make sure and take care of the weeds that come in because the weeds will choke away, uh-oh, they'll choke away the good seed that God planted. See, I'm feeding you right now. I'm giving you seeds right now. But if you don't take away the weeds and, and prune away the weeds, the weeds will come in and choke away the good word that God speaks in your heart. That's the Bible right there. We let all the weeds grow up around us. We tend to the weeds more than we tend to the good things that God is planting in us. It's time to pull them up by the root, folks. Get rid of the weeds. Get rid of the weeds. Ugh. The weeds of worry. We, we find Christ, we make a decision to follow Him, and then we fret and worry and worry and fret. We're anxious over everything. The Bible says be anxious for nothing, and we're anxious for everything. Come on, somebody. It's time to do some pruning. It's time to get on your hands and knees at the altar and pull up some weeds. Pull up the weed of worry. You don't have to worry. 
Are you kidding? God is in control. John, God is in control, my friend. We don't have to worry when we rest in God. We're praying with John. He's battling cancer, but he got a good report this week. Tell, tell, me, what, tell me what you found out. They didn't find any lymphoma in the last test that they ran for John. I'm so proud of you, man. So proud of you. So we got to get rid of the weed of worry. How about the weed of doubt? We, we, we second-guess God all the time. We doubt God's word. We doubt ourselves. Doubt is the enemy of faith. If you're praying, but you're doubting, you might as well not pray. You might as well just look to the stars and look through the horoscope. We pray, Leroy, and we believe. We have faith. And we let our roots of faith, watch this, our roots of faith go down deep. And we keep getting rid of the weeds of, of worry and of doubt and of fear, the weed of fear. Fear has crippled and paralyzed more believers than not. Followers of Christ just go through this, this life fearful, li living a life of fear. And listen, fear comes to all of us. It came to Joshua, and God kept having to tell him, don't be afraid, don't be uh, discouraged, be of good cheer, be strong and courageous. In other words, he kept telling him, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. Time to start pulling the weeds of fear. It's just pruning time, folks. It's pruning time. We're going to prune out the weeds. We're going to, secondly, prune out the suckers. <laughs> can, I, can I preach to you a little bit? Anybody know what a sucker plant is? What is it, Sue? There's something called a sucker plant. It's called a sucker because it sucks the nutrients and the goodness from the healthy plant. Mint, I found out, is a sucker. They told me if you want mint, you should plant it in a pot. Don't plant it in the ground. Plant it in a pot because if you don't, it will overtake your whole area. I didn't listen to him, Yolanda. And I planted just, it was a little plant anyway. And I'll tend to it. I'm going to prune it. But you know what? This thing, it, it, it just took over. And it keeps on taking over. But here's what it does. It goes, it's covert. A sucker. And it sends a root under the ground. See, I can't even, how are you going to take care of something you can't even see? It sends the root under the ground, and it will shoot up a, a, a sucker in the middle of another plant. I have it to show you in my garden if you'd like me to show you later. I saved it because it's doing it right now. Sends the root underneath, and in the middle of the plant, it will come up, and it will overtake that other plant. It's time to start pruning off the suckers. 
Trees have them, apple trees, peach trees, rose bushes have them, suckers. They come up and they're, they're, they're bigger than the others, they're longer than the others, but they don't produce any fruit. They just take all of the energy, they take all of the nutrients. Sucker plants. You know the churches have suckers. Careful. Careful. Of course, not La Palma Christian Center, but other churches. And if La Palma Christian Center had any, they were in the 815, so it's all good. Of course, I told 815 all the 1030 suckers were coming. Seriously, listen to me a moment. There are people coming into church, and they're eating all the goodness. They're getting all the nutrients and all the spiritual food, and they don't produce any fruit. And in fact, they'll be critical of other people who are trying their best to produce some fruit. Trim off the suckers. This needs some attention over here. Karen hates this plant. It's my Martha Washington. But if I don't keep her trimmed, oh, yeah, yeah, where do I start here? Maybe I ought to trim it way back. You want me to trim it way back, Karen? There you go. I saw, I saw a gardener. I'm going to just do this. I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to go all the way down on that one. I saw a gardener. I, 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 I thought for sure the dude had killed the rose bush. It was such a good rose bush, too. It didn't do anything to him. And he trimmed that thing down to where it's just a stub out of the ground. First year I moved here, I saw him trim down a rose bush just to the, to the, the sticks sticking out of the ground. I thought he'd killed my rose bush. I was mad. <laughs> but I found out he was pruning. And the next year, that thing produced more roses than I'd ever seen. Just full. It was unbelievable. There are three things I want us to prune. Weeds. Suckers, parasites. Anybody ever find themselves under a mistletoe around Christmas time? Get a little kissy kiss? Did you know that mistletoe is actually a parasitic plant? And it will attach itself to a healthy host shrub, bush, or tree. It really doesn't care. But it will infiltrate into the branch it lodges itself into the branch it doesn't just attach to the outside once it attaches itself then it gets onto the inside it absorbs all of the nutrients that in that host plant and it leaves it completely malnourished if not corrected it will, it will take over the host plant and, well, ultimately it will kill it. And parasitic plants will infect a whole area. They spread like poison. I've seen churches with parasites in them because the pruning process didn't happen. Because leadership let nonsense continue to spread 
throughout the church. We can't have that. We've seen the danger and the damage. All of us, I don't care if you have any church background whatsoever, you have seen the damage and the nonsense that a parasitic person can bring into a church. With a word or two, with a simple phone call, tearing down a Sunday school teacher, tearing down a Royal Ranger leader, tearing down the pastors of the church. I say we can get some pruning going on, folks. I hope I don't cut my shirt up here. It's time to cut away the weeds, the suckers, and the parasites that try to attach themselves to our spiritual lives. Come on and say amen. amen. I have a question for you. What's stunting your growth? What's preventing you from producing the good fruit that God has put in you to produce? Cut away the worldliness. Cut away from your life those people who pull you away from God and from God's plan for your life. Not everybody's supposed to be in your boat. Get them out of your boat and watch the storm settle down. Prune. Cut out the selfishness. Die to your flesh so that the Spirit of God may live in you. Pruning is an essential step to the harvest in the harvest process. We just got to do it, folks. We just have to do it. John 15 1 and 2, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, the pruner. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, what's he do? Takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit says that he prunes it. I'm going to prune this to death today. This doesn't have a flower on it. Well, guess what? Every plant, bring it up one more time. Every plant that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Somebody say more fruit. More fruit. Now look at verse number five. Same chapter. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears, now he says it like this, much fruit. Come on, say much fruit. For without me, Jesus said, you can't do anything. How true. I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. I can't do one thing right without God raining down His righteousness on me, raining down His presence and His power by His Spirit on me. God wants to do some pruning, folks. Let the pruning process happen. Stay connected to the true vine. If there's a true vine, there must be a false vine. If he speaks of a true vine, then it must be the possibility for the false vine. Be sure of what you're feeding yourself, what nourishment is coming into you, and let God cut away the branches that don't bear fruit. Number six, finally, Pastor Moses come. Number six is the fun part. It's the picking. It's harvest time. Finally, the harvest is ready. Finally, it's time to reap what we have worked so hard to see produced. 
The plowing is over. The planting is over. The prayer, the precipitation, the pruning. Now, finally, we get to go and pick. But what are we, what are we reaping here, folks? What is the harvest that we've worked so hard to see and to enjoy? I want you to look closely at our text again one more time. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. The first thing we reap is mercy. Mercy is receiving what you don't deserve. You did the crime, so you should do the time. But somehow, some way, out of God's great love, mercy steps in. And we don't get what we deserve. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for the mercy of God. I need God's mercy every day. And I got good news for you. Before I even got up out of bed today, there was new mercy waiting for me because the Bible says that his mercies are what? New every morning. They're new every morning. And maybe you're like me. I spend it all up. I need God's mercy. And so I use it all up. You might as well use it all up today. The mercy of God. And then wake up and see God give you more mercy. See, it's a, it's a process of planting and sowing, reaping and doing it again. If you want mercy, then don't be so judgmental back here in the plowing and planting stage. You better be merciful right here. You want mercy? You're going to need mercy from your wife or your husband at some point, those who are married. You're going to need mercy from your employer, perhaps, at some point. You're going to need mercy from the officer who pulled you over and you didn't think you were going over the speed limit. You want mercy? You better start planting it. You better start plowing it. You better start cultivating it. And then you can pick it. You can reap it. It can be part of your harvest. The second part of the harvest, not only mercy, righteousness. Righteousness is part of our harvest. You plant right you reap right. You plant righteousness, you will reap righteousness. Because whatever you sow, you're going to reap. God, I need the rain of your spirit abundantly to pour out on me so that I can produce spirit fruit. Righteousness. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let God produce righteousness in you. Reap that harvest of righteousness. There's two more that I saw that aren't attached to the scripture, but you'll see why I put them in this list of four things that we'll harvest. The third is joy. Psalm 126, bring that up for us. 
verse number five. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. I don't know how many hard night hard nights you've cried yourself to sleep, how many difficult situations you've come through where it's brought you to tears, but I want you to know something today. Those who sow in tears, it's like, it's like watering the ground. It's like those seeds, the, the tears are like seeds in the ground. They're going to bring up joy over here. Weeping may endure for the night, but what happens in the morning, somebody? Come on, the Bible says weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And get this, it's one of those crazy fruits right there. When you get joy, you get two things. It's a twofer, two for one. Because what comes along with joy, somebody? Oh, come on, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So when you get joy, when you get to reap joy and harvest joy, you're not just harvesting joy, you're also getting strength for the day. Hallelujah. Strength for the journey. Strength for the ministry that God has called you to. Number four, what are you harvesting? Mercy, righteousness, joy, finally, souls. Let me read on in Psalm 126, verse number six now, prospect. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What are the sheaves? The sheaves are the, are the, the stalks of grain from the wheat field, really. That's the harvest. That's the fruit. That's the end result. And this may be the greatest harvest. We want the harvest of blessings and the harvest of favor and the harvest of healing. And, but maybe the greatest harvest that God could give us is the harvest of souls. I want you to bow your heads today. It's just a simple springtime message that I preached over the last two weeks. I've tried to encourage you with some essential steps that we must take in order to get to our abundant harvest. Plowing, planting, praying, precipitation, pruning, and finally the produce, the picking, the reaping. said lift up your eyes unto the harvest the fields are white they're ready but the laborers are few if you're here today and you would like to be one of the workers in the field in the end time harvest I want you to stand you may not know what that looks like you don't you may not know what part you will play, but you would like to be involved in the harvest as one of the workers. And you'll just stand signifying to God, I'm willing. I'm willing. Now, God, as we cup our hands to you, we ask that you would pour out of heaven on us, sending the rain of your spirit, watering our dry ground 
Fill us, Lord, with spiritual nutrients, spirit food that would help us to grow. May we do our part, God, in the weeding and the pruning. Also understanding that some of the pruning will only come from you. So we do pray, God, find dresser, dress the vine, cut away the wrong and the bad, those things that hinder our lives. We desire, God, to bear fruit, good fruit, much fruit, more fruit. Pour out your spirit on every person standing now, God. Enable them, empower them. In Jesus' mighty name, with heads still bowed, I must ask this question before we leave. Is your heart right with God? If you died today, would you know where you would go? Would you stand before God in heaven or would you be banished to an eternity away from him in hell? If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ, please pray for me. I want you to lift your hand right now. Today is the day of salvation. We're not promised any other day. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I sense the Holy Spirit dealing with hearts about surrendering their heart to Christ. If that's you, I want you to step from where you are and come and meet the water fields right here. They're going to lead you in a prayer. They're going to pray with you. And today, you will be saved. If you've lifted your hand, move now. You've got to take a courageous step. It's not just enough to acknowledge. You've got to do something about it. Now is that moment. Now is that moment. Come now and surrender fully and finally your whole heart to Christ. Pastor Dave, thank you, Jesus. Debbie, pray with Connie. Is there anyone else? We've got plenty of room here, folks. I don't like to delay for delay's sake, but I also don't want to miss an opportunity to let God be God and see somebody's heart washed and somebody surrendered to Christ. Is there anybody else? Come on and take my hand right now. I challenge you. I dare you. Let God transform you. Let God turn your life upside down. Come and surrender today. Just 30 more seconds and we're going to dismiss. Is there anyone else? Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus, be the Lord today. Be the Lord of all today. Here, Gail. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Wow. See, I, now listen, this is what church sh should be all about, folks. We come in here and we give God the high praise. I'm talking about the high praise celebrating him, aggressively praising him. Then just getting out of his way for a little while and letting God do what he does. Filling people up with power and filling people up with his spirit. Challenging us with his word and then people getting saved. I, I, can there be a better Sunday than that? Awesome. Alright. Don't forget about your life groups. Pastor Moses is going to dismiss us in prayer. God bless everybody. So good to see you here today. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word.
this morning. We thank you for your presence, your spirit in this place. Father, we thank you, God, that you reign on our hearts, on our spirits today. Refreshed us, renewed us. Lord, I pray, God, that we would constantly look to you and seek you, Father. Father, we thank you that you are the vine, Lord God, and that you desire to grow us and produce more fruit in us, God. I pray that we would allow you to do that, God, that we would have open hearts, Lord God, that you would tenderize our hearts, God, that you would do a work in us, God, that will last. We thank you. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.